Hey folks, you know what? A small regret is slouching in the dentist chair thinking I should have brushed and flossed better. A big health regret is listening to your doctor and thinking I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. I have that regret a lot. Better health today and when it matters most is why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens is unlike any fruit and vegetable or green product. Field of Greens isn't watered down extracts. Field of Greens is an organic superfood. It's whole fruits and vegetables. Each fruit and vegetable was selected by doctors to support vital body functions like heart, liver, kidneys, metabolism, and of course, your immune system. And only Field of Greens is backed by a better health promise. At your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Don't look back and say, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. Field of Greens is a key to better health today, right now, and when it matters most. Let's get you started with 15% off and free shipping. All you got to do is visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS at checkout. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, a podcast from Just the News, where today we have the one, the only, Newt Gingrich, former Speaker of the U.S. House, one of the biggest thinkers in the conservative movement, uh, here for the whole show. Very excited to have Newt on the show. He brings so many ideas and energy and uh, cutting-edge analysis to what's going on in our country. It's a great honor to have him on. We're going to have him here in a few minutes. Now, before we get there, I want to set up, because I know this is going to be one of the topics we're going to talk about with the speaker, and that is where uh, the U.S. and the Chinese rhetoric seems so similar these days. It's very odd to hear American officials making statements that are eerily parroting eerily similar to what the communist Chinese are saying about America. And when, when it's interesting, and, and again, this is just me as a journalist, comparing statements to what Joe Biden and Kamala Harris said with what the Chinese communist government has been saying. And, um, and uh, it, the airy similars, which it's quite different from the Trump administration where Trump and China had very different views and, of course, Trump was very tough on China, whether it was the trade deals or uh, sanctions or other things. He came down hard on China, was the first president to move us towards a declaration of genocide for what the Chinese communists are doing to the Uyghur Muslim population. So, uh, but, you know, Biden came in, and, of course, we know Hunter Biden and his son, uh, Hunter Biden and, and his business partners were interested in making money in China, did a lot from 2013 to 2018 to try to score some big deals. They helped facilitate the transfer of a very sensitive, important American auto parts maker called Henninges. Uh, that is now in communist control, thanks to a transaction that Hunter Biden facilitated. All very important, all very uh, well documented now that the Biden family was trying to cash in on communist China. But today, uh, Joe Biden has taken a more um, harsher, a more harsh, a more uh, de defensive tone against China, speaking out against things that he had turned a blind eye to or, or certainly didn't put a lot of attention on to prior to the Trump administration when he was last in office during the Obama-Biden years. But this year, he's been sounding a lot more like Donald Trump, except for a few things. If you remember uh, when the verdict came down 
in the um, Chauvin trial, both the vice president, Kamala Harris, and the president, Joe Biden, made comments. And instead of celebrating that the court system worked, that justice was served, they took it as a moment to tongue-lash America, to talk down America, to suggest that we have years and decades of systemic racism that has gone unaddressed. Now, to make that statement, you have to ignore all the progress this extraordinary country has made. And listen, things have not always been good here, but to suggest that in 2000, in 21, that we have as much problem as we had in 1961 is silly. And also, as some liberal activists say, and I don't have an opinion one way or the other, but liberal activists blame Joe Biden for some of the uh, tension between law enforcement and uh, the black community from the 1994 crime bill. So Joe Biden kind of glosses over his role. If there is a systemic racism narrative, well, you know, a lot of the people on his side of the fence blame his shepherding of a bill. Now, others might argue that we've made a lot of progress, that we're not the same racist country that we had in the South in the 60s, that the Voting Rights Act and the uh, efforts of uh, desegregation and the rising up of the African-American community up the economic ladder uh, has changed the dynamic. Sure, we have pockets of racism. Certainly, we have racist individuals. We have stupid extremist groups. You know, Aryan nation people, but they're they're a super gigantic, small minority of America. But to listen to the president and the vice president talk, we have a systemic racism problem. We still have it's unaddressed, and we should be ashamed of our America. Well, what's weird about that? If that sounded familiar on Tuesday night when you heard it, it's probably because you heard it a month before, but not from an American's lips. You heard it from one of the top Chinese diplomats who had come to the United States to uh, for a meeting in Alaska that turned out to be disastrous for the Biden administration. They had they stubbed their toe in a very very big way in this meeting. It was uh, a diplomatic embarrassment for all sides. It left more hostile than they entered. Uh, one can argue the Biden administration tripped up early, and then the Chinese blew it up at the end. Uh, but I do think that um, the language that one of our uh, one of the Chinese officials used was so stark, so remarkably stark, because it sounded like just like what the um, uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris had said earlier this week, and that was that. The Americans can't be preaching to China about China rights, giving their systemic racism problem. And it was quite a hostile statement by this diplomat. It goes by the name Yang. Uh, it, it's quite memorable, but it, it sounded so similar to uh, the um, the language that uh, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. It's not up to the American people. It's not just up to the American people, but also the people of the world to evaluate how the United States has done in advancing its own democracy. Well, that's a quite a slam. So what do you mean by that, Mr. Yang? Because you have to go a few more graphs into his speech, and suddenly you find out he was talking about race and suggesting we still had a systemic race problem because of the Black Lives Movement, because of the last year of what has gone on in our country. Um, 
and I, I found it really interesting for him uh, to say that yeah, they did not just emerge over the past four years, such as Black Lives Matter. It did not come up only recently. So we do hope that our two countries, it's important that we manage our respective affairs well instead of deflecting the blame on somebody else in the world. That's what this Chinese diplomat said. You guys have a systemic racist problem. Now, I think a lot of problem, a lot of people might have said to China, you know what? We don't. We don't keep people in concentration camps like you do. We don't uh, discriminate. We don't suffocate voting rights and voices. We have free speech, unlike what's going on in Hong Kong. We uh, don't threaten to annihilate our neighbors, Taiwan, for instance. But instead, when Joe Biden and Kamala Harris had the opportunity to address this issue in the aftermath of the Chauvin verdict, they kind of borrowed the Chinese rhetoric that America has a systemic race problem that we should be ashamed of. It's uncured. It's not solved. Well, a lot of it is solved. Historically, it's not. It's irrefutable. We are far better in 2021 than we were in 1961. And to say otherwise is to be dishonest. Now, do we have work ahead of us? You bet. Do we need to grow trust and better rules of engagement in the African-American community and in the police community? You bet. Uh, I would like to see no fatal shootings of suspects. That's not possible. But any ones that are avoidable, any ones that are criminal should stop. But uh, that doesn't mean when we have isolated incidents that, uh, that we have a systemic racism problem in our police departments. Most of the, many of the officers that serve in urban areas are African-American or minority. That's an important part. We can fix this. We can tighten up. There are police procedures that can get better. And quite frankly, those in the African-American community or in the urban city areas also can solve the problem by solving some of the attitude, some of the confrontational, some of the provocative, provocative things. You shouldn't pick up a knife when a police officer is trying to arrest you, which is what happened in Kenosha. Remember, originally we, we believed he had just been shot in the back for no reason. That man had a knife. Probably be wise not to do that. If you're a young girl and the police come to the scene, it's probably not good to lunge at a potential victim with a knife when the police are there because they're likely going to shoot you because they want to save that other woman's life. It's not because you're black in that circumstance that you might get shot. It's because you are using a knife to wound a fellow American and the police are there to try to stop and prevent some other victim from being mortally wounded or injured. No one likes to see these shootings. I wish they could all go away. But the language that up that Joe Biden and um, Kamala Harris used in the Chauvin verdict aftermath sounded too close to some for some people to the Chinese rhetoric demeaning America and its race record, which, by the way, has improved remarkably. Uh, and similarly, we had John Kerry out there saying, well, Donald Trump was lying about climate change. We all got behind on it because of Donald Trump. Well, uh, that's exactly what the Chinese have been saying since 2017. And we're saying as early as this week. So John Kerry parrots a line from the Chinese. The Joe Biden Kamala Harris certainly sounds very similar to the China condemnations of America's racial record that we heard. And the question is, does that bother anyone? I don't know. Weigh in. 
tell us on social media. Go to justthenews.com and weigh in. But um, we're going to ask Speaker Gingrich about that because the similarities are there. The linguistics are the same. And this administration talks down on America like China talks down, where the last administration seemed to talk up America and its successes and its progress. And let's keep in mind, when Joe Biden and Barack Obama were in power before this, they did not, did not achieve the extraordinary reduction in poverty that Donald Trump's economic record did. Donald Trump's record on poverty was way better than any Democratic president. Best reductions in poverty in many, many decades. So it's one thing to have the rhetoric. It's another thing to have the record. And I think when people begin looking at the facts, there's an interesting pattern beginning to emerge. This administration talks down America like China talks down America. We'll have to ask Newt Gingrich if that's a good idea. Is that good politics? Maybe it is. I don't know. But it is a fact of what's going on. So let's see. We're going to go to that commercial break. When we come back, we're going to ask Newt Gingrich the big question about the similarities between China's rhetoric and the Biden rhetoric when it comes to America and race and climate change. Stay tuned. You're not going to want to miss his answer. I can't wait to hear what he has to say. Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer, a beach bum summer, or a wake me up when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door, in as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest. Every time we have him on this show, he lights it up. We get lots of comments, lots of engagement. The former Speaker of the House, one of the greatest thinkers in the conservative movement, Newt Gingrich, is joining us again. Mr. Speaker, good to have you back on. Well, John, it's always great to be with you. And gosh, there's so many different things going on. It's amazing. It is. It is. And I I was thinking this morning, uh, I wonder what Newt would have thought about those speeches that our president and vice president gave last night in the aftermath of the the, the verdict. And tell us, uh, what what did you think of your American president last night? Well, yeah, I thought it was an amazing moment. He could have come out and he could have said, uh, the system works. A jury met of 12 good Americans. Uh, they reached what they thought was the right decision. And that is such a strong contrast with Russia or China or Iran or Venezuela uh, that it sort of explains why people like to come to America instead of these other countries. Instead, he and uh, Vice President Harris came out and basically made the day for the uh, Chinese communists who had uh, basically had given the same speech in Anchorage it's when unbelievable. They met with the American Secretary of State. Um, and it was astonishing. I mean, you can just take the clips from Harris and Biden, run them all around the world, and you don't have to worry about the Chinese propagandists because the American president and vice president are doing as much damage to the U.S. as any pro- propaganda campaign I can remember. Yeah, it is remarkable. So many people are talking about the denigration of the United States and the 
you know, all of a sudden we've created these new historical narratives, which, by the way, aren't supported by the facts. But America's bad. It's racist. It's endemic. It's systemic. Um, there is, uh, while it probably plays to his base or the woke part of his base in a big way, there's an enormous uh, danger here that he's riding right into the teeth of, I, I know we were talking about this recently, uh, the teeth of the most important value that Americans hold, patriotism. He's literally kicking the teeth of patriotism. And I, I'm wondering if this is an enormous opportunity for conservatives and Republicans. Well, I, look, I think it's an opportunity for every patriotic American, uh, whether they're Democrat, Republican, or independent. Uh, if, if you think that America really is a remarkable country, and remember, we have all this uh, babble about systematic racism as a jury finds a policeman guilty of having killed a black man uh, at a time when you've had a black president for two terms, you now have a black vice president, uh, and yet somehow we're supposed to be told that uh, this is really uh, something that we should be ashamed of. That, you know, the, the other point I would just make is if there's so much systemic racism uh, how come so many people want to come to America from all around the world? <laughs> Such uh, a I great mean, point. You know, I don't. I don't think the average person in El Salvador says, "You know, I don't think I better go to America because, after all, they have all that systemic racism." Yeah. I think they think we're nuts. It's it's amazing that the crisis he created at the border un does undercut his own uh, arguments. Last night, I, I was really taken aback, but I know a lot of people were. When you look at the um, the moment we're living in now, we're constantly creating in the media and in the left, particularly uh, false realities. I think you picked one up the other day and really hit on it hard. Why did it take us six weeks or three months to find out the true cause of Brian Sitnik's death? But time and again, the country has been put through strife on the basis of what is truly false stories, whether it's the Afghan bounties that didn't exist, the bad intelligence here, Russia collusion, uh, the Brian Sicknick died with a fire extinguisher at the hands of Trump supporters. He didn't. How do we combat this? I know you, you, you're the master communicator, but how do we get out of this era where false uh, uh, stories become reality for months before they unravel? Well, of course, let, let's start with what you're doing. I mean, I think the, the, the news program you're developing, the podcast you're developing, the TV show you're developing, you're providing an alternative channel of information. And a lot of the time, <clears throat> we can't expect the New York Times or the Washington Post or uh, CBS News uh, to become accurate or to become conservative. They're too deeply committed to a sort of woke version of life. And uh, the very people they've hired are so, I think, out of touch with reality that you can't expect them to turn around and uh, be able to do it. But I think people like yourself, the kind of young, aggressive, investigative reporters you're going to be recruiting uh, right. who can follow in your own footsteps because you've been such a great investigative reporter your whole lifetime. I think all of that is uh, something that, that you can uh, count on. And in the long run, I actually do believe facts matter. And I do believe that the average American, despite every effort of the left to brainwash us, uh, the average American continues uh, to move in the right direction and continues to, to look at all this stuff, measure it, and then figure out for themselves uh, what exactly they, that we should be doing. So I'm, I'm an optimist. I think in the long run, all of the liberal lies will fail. Uh, and in the long run, the truth will, in fact, set us free. 
Yeah, it is such an important thing that facts do persist at the time and, and it's just getting them into the ecosystem that usually balances the debate. You, you've been arguing about something and I think we all, so many in the right have had a lot of fixation on other policy issues, but you've continued time and time again to come back. And I think you spoke at the Heritage Foundation not too long ago on this, that healthcare is still such an important issue that Republicans and conservatives can own and win. Do you think in this moment where we're distracted by so many other things that uh, the, a Republican conservative alternative for healthcare is going to break through? Yeah, I think that the work being done at the, the policy committee, uh, the work that's being done uh, at the uh, Heritage Foundation, uh, I, I just participated uh, in a conference on new solutions. And I think that there's some breakthrough ideas coming out about uh, transparency, about accountability. I think the thing that's exciting is both as the technologies change uh, and as we have an ability to literally present you with information about quality and cost so that you can be making informed choices uh, and the development of whole new technologies and whole new breakthroughs, uh, I really do sense that, that uh, we're moving in a new direction. You know, I look, for example, just at the appliances you can now get, uh, you know, whether to measure your blood pressure, your temperature, uh, your the oxygen in your system. Americans have access to more and more and more information in ways that can allow them to manage their own health. Yeah, it's so empowering. And uh, the future is going to be bright on that front. And I think the policies that embrace those are going to make a, going to make a very big difference. The border, I know you, you've always been a strong advocate of a strong border because it solves a lot of the downstream problems. How big an issue is what Joe Biden has started on the border? How big is it an issue? Does it carry into 2022? Does it, is this a one of the main defining issues of the 2022 election? Well, look, look, I think it was very revealing that in the most recent polls, uh, the border replaced COVID as the number one concern of the American people. Wow. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, and I think the president can play games about whether it's a crisis or it's not a crisis. The thing to remember is that the Liberal Democrats want an open border, that people like Kamala Harris, when she first started running, was in favor of an open border, that they have no really serious effort to close the border, and that as a result, you have an amazing number of people, particularly young people, who are coming across. You have at least two cartels that have left the drug business uh, because they can make more money moving people. Uh, you have an entire industry built around that, and, and that's why I think we have to recognize how serious this is, that this is not going to go away. It's not going to get easier. Uh, and I think it's going to be more difficult. Yeah, there, there's no doubt. This is a, and it's funny. I, I just talked to a couple of Congress people who were down at the border and the CPB were telling them all we have to do to solve this is just restore the policies we had in December. Just go back to the Trump policies. This will go away quickly. Such a simple solution. And yet we're going to put the country through so much. Um, as you as you look out over the next few months, HR one is you. I think you were the first that I remember coining this. It's the Corrupt Politicians Act. But how important is it for conservatives to win the election integrity battle to fight the disinformation and get the idea that voter ID is popular? All the other protections are actually an enhancement of voting rights, not a uh, a suffocation of them. Oh, look! I think it's tremendously important that we. Uh, defeat the corrupt politicians' bill. I mean, uh, when, when you realize, for example, that it would take federal money and pay it to people to run for office, uh, you just have to ask yourself, I mean, do you really want to attract people 
uh, who are going to be earning a living off of campaigning, basically off the taxpayer, when you realize that it eliminates the possibility of identifying who the voters are, so you're going to end up in a situation where you have uh, really uh, no ability to block uh, illegal citizens, for example, or illegal aliens from voting. Uh, and, you know, 90% of the American people, that, that uh, Democrats, Republicans, Independents, African Americans, Latinos, Asian Americans, Native Americans, 90% uh, want to make sure that the election is restricted only to American citizens. And yet, H.R. 1 would, in fact, make it impossible to verify uh, who is uh, in a position to, to uh, vote legally. And when you look at things like the New York State budget, which provided yeah. $15,000 for uh, an illegal immigrant who uh, had, had been uh, struck in with COVID, they, get, they would get $15,000. And by the way, when they registered for the money, they would be automatically enrolled as a voter. Uh, just something people don't seem to realize. And when people ask me, gee, why do you think there's so many people showing up at the border? My first answer is, when the word goes out in places like El Salvador, you can make $15,000 by showing up in New York City. I don't think it's very hard to sell people that that's a lot better income than they're going to earn in El Salvador. So in a sense, uh, we have some of our biggest states, New York and California, essentially advertising, you know, come to America illegally and we'll take care of you. And I think that's why this is going to remain a, a big mess. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it's going away anytime soon. It's it's really, really, really remarkable. The infrastructure bill. Uh, you had an uncanny knack of getting, when you were speaker, getting uh, bipartisan deals done, some with President Clinton, uh, balanced budget. Uh, is there an opportunity, uh, will Joe Biden come down off some of these sort of leftist policies and try to create a real infrastructure bill? Is there an opportunity for a bipartisan moment in an otherwise divided city right now? Sure. I mean, no, the, pro the problem for the Democrats is if you want to be bipartisan, you have to actually be bipartisan. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, and they don't, and they don't want to share power with the Republicans. Yeah. Uh, but if I mean, I, I frankly tried to get Trump in 2015 instead of focusing, or, or 17 rather, instead of focusing uh, first on Obamacare, I said focus on on infrastructure. Right. It's the most naturally bipartisan thing we deal with. Uh, and I just, I just think that it's absurd that. Uh, you know, we, we have not been able to get this all worked out. Uh, and I, But I think it's pretty clear that you have surrounding Biden, a group of hardcore Democrats, much like, uh, frankly, in many cases, the same people who were with Obama when they deliberately stiffed the Republicans and refused to work with them. Yeah. And I think that that partisan thing is real. And uh, so they can talk about bipartisanship, but if they're not willing to actually be bipartisan, they're not going to get many Republican takers. Yeah, there's not. Uh, that's been a, a problem all along, and it, the Republicans don't feel any sense of compromise when they when they engage in conversations. They're conversations, but they keep reporting. There doesn't seem to be any willingness to compromise. Uh, last question I want to throw you: a lot of people I've talked to f f uh, say that this moment in history feels a lot like 1993. Obviously, the Democrats have both chambers of Congress; they got the White House, but a lot of the early policies that the Biden Harris team and even more extreme when you get to AOC and others in the Congress are proposing cut against the grain of American uh, common sense. 
what if this is a 1993 moment? What's the best advice for those in, trying to win back the Congress and 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 start to build the majority back? What uh, what best advice do you think they should follow? Well, I think they one should be very clear about the most radical things the Democrats are doing. Things like Maxine Waters going to an area that said riots and urging people to be actively involved in confrontation in the streets. Uh, things like Rashida Tlaib. Uh, advocating that we both abolish the police and close down all the prisons, uh, probably one of the nuttiest ideas we've had in <laughs> yeah. politics. Uh, I, so there, there are a lot of they're, they're going to give us more than enough ammunition. But I think second, what part of what we did is we did two big things in 1994 that I would recommend. One is we had a very positive agenda that really mattered, uh, and the other is, and, and by the way, everything on that agenda was 70% approval or more. Yeah, that was the key. And then the second thing I would say is that we had um, a very, very deep belief in running everywhere. So we, we ran, we had candidates in all but three districts in the country. Wow. They didn't try to cleverly target. You know, we got Ross Stankowski, uh, the chairman of the Ways and Means Committee of downtown Chicago. Right. Uh, we got Jack Brooks, the chairman of the Judiciary Committee. They all in fell. The suburb. And we got the Speaker of the House, Tom Foley in western, uh, eastern Washington state, uh, because we competed everywhere. And I would urge that kind of approach to the House Republicans for the coming year. Yeah, that's a great piece of advice. Uh, play everywhere, make them defend every every seat they have. Pretty remarkable. Mr. Speaker, thank you so much. So many great ideas. I, we love having you on the show. I can't wait to get you back. But uh, a lot of food to think about, just uh, food for thought that we got this morning. I really appreciate that. Listen, it's all fun, and uh, hope, I hope we're going to be able to get together next week and continue putting this together. I love it. Uh, count me in. Right. All right, sir. Thanks. Good to talk to Take you. Care. Thanks. All right, folks, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, we'll wrap things up for the day. What a, what a great conversation with Newt Gingrich. Great, great opportunity, great thinker on the conservative side. All right, we'll be back right after this commercial message. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. All right, folks. Welcome back from the commercial break, the last of the day. Thank you for tuning in. Had a blast with Newt Gingrich. Always great to ask him pointed questions, get pointed answers, learn something. Uh, I wonder if we 
aren't on the cusp of a new contract with America. When I come out of this interview today, Newt, of course, made that famous contract in 93, 94, and the Republicans took back the Congress. 2021 feels a lot like that time frame, and I thought some of Newt's comments today seemed to point towards the potential items in a contract with America, a new contract with America, Liberty loving contract with America. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, We'll be reporting that here at Just the News. You can check it out anytime. All right. We're going to wrap things up for the day. Tomorrow, a great interview about a group you may not have heard about, keep9.org. It's an effort to create a constitutional amendment to lock the Supreme Court at nine justices, get rid of court packing forever. We're going to bring Roman Bueller, the executive director of this big movement, which is, by the way, catching fire, and not just catching fire on the right. There are some Democrats as well engaging on this idea. You're going to want to learn about that tomorrow. That's why we have John Solomon reports to give you some facts so you can learn about some things and make up your own mind. So grateful you're listening. We'll be back tomorrow with our final edition of the week of John Solomon reports, the podcast from Just the News.